Hope you're doing well this morning. My name's Todd. For those of you I don't know, I'm so glad that you're here to worship with us. Uh, week three in, uh, in our new place that God has so graciously uh, given us. And uh, I, I'm excited about the days to come in this building. And just to um, let you know, uh, today's somewhat of a day of celebration. Um, after we meet here today, we've got a cookout, a good old-fashioned church cookout with uh, hot dogs and hamburgers and covered dish. That's, you know, that's just great. That's kind of old-fashioned. But we're going to celebrate what God's done here, and we're going to celebrate this place and um, celebrate someone who I'll introduce uh, you to later in the service. But we really have reason to celebrate because two weeks ago, um, we had three people raise their hand to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And uh, that's why we do what we do, isn't it? That's why we've worked so hard on this facility. It's not just uh, four walls. Um, I was going to use wood, but I don't think there's an ounce of wood in this whole building. Uh, but uh, that's why we do what we do, is uh, so that our community can have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I want to encourage you, um, if you are a part of our church, I want to encourage you to invite your friends and neighbors and coworkers and fellow students um, we have these little cards uh, that are back at the uh, guest services area that you can pick up on your way out today. Take as many as you want. We have plenty, and uh, pass those out to your friends and let them know that uh, there's a place where they can come and feel comfortable. Well, I want you to, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to Galatians, the book of Galatians, chapter 5. We're going to be in Galatians 5 as we have been throughout this summer. And uh, we've been making this journey in uh, what's called the uh, fruit of the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Galatians, he wrote it to a group of churches in a region called Galatia. Uh, there were all these little churches that were in this region uh, uh, called Galatia, and he wrote a message, a letter to those churches uh, on how to live the Christian life. And uh, in the middle of that message, which was uh, a bit encouraging and a bit challenging, he lists these fruit of the Spirit. And what he does is he contrasts how the Christian life should not be lived in the first part of chapter 5 with how the Christian life should be lived in this part of chapter 5. And so we come to these two verses, verses 22 and 23, and here's what Paul says, and I'm going to read it out loud, and then I'm going to have you read it with me here in a moment. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why don't you read that with me? It should be on the screens there. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we've talked about love, and we've talked about joy, and peace, and patience, and the uh, First week that we were in this building, we talked about kindness and goodness kind of all wrapped in one. And so we come to this element of faithfulness. And it's really interesting because a lot of you um, throughout the summer as we've kind of been in this series, we've taken a break here and there, but a lot of you have come up to me and you're like, when are we going to do faithfulness? I want to hear about faithfulness. What does that mean, faithfulness? And uh, I'm not sure where that's coming from. I don't pretend to want to know, but um, I would imagine it comes from the fact that we struggle with this whole idea of faithfulness. 
We struggle with this idea of being faithful people, and I think, and we're going to discover today two reasons why I believe that we, dis- that we struggle with this whole idea of being faithful people, and how we as people, how we as Christ followers can overcome that and can uh, become people that are faithful in our own lives. Before we dive in too much further, I just want to pray and ask God's blessing on our time this morning. Father, I want to thank you, first of all, for uh, who you are. As we just sang, God, you are a mighty God. You're a fortress, God. You never change. And in a world that is constantly changing, in a world where our finances and our relationships and uh, our homes and where we live and, and, and what we do and who we interact with changes all the time, God, you never change. And Father, I pray today, no matter where we are, no matter what we've come in to this building with, Father, no matter what's on our mind, no matter how disappointed we may have been with the way the last week has gone, God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would just change us, pierce our hearts, look deep within us, God, and change us so that we can become more like you. And Father, today I pray that you would be with those who have been hurt by those who have been unfaithful, those who have lost hope in you. And God, I pray that you would change hearts today. Help us to be a people who are faithful because you, God, are faithful. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, a few weeks ago when we began this series, one of the things that we talked about, it was one of the premise uh, that we talked about in this series, is the fact that these fruit are characteristics These fruit are the results of a life that is uh, lived according to God's word. They are the result of time spent with God. Um, I I love the Olympics, and of course the Olympics just started day one was yesterday, and um, you know, if you've watched it or if you're on your iPhone right now, don't, don't, you spoil it for the rest of us who want to go watch it. I was doing that last night with my family, and they were not too happy with me. I was telling them that I knew all the results because I had gone on and looked uh, before it started at 8 o'clock. But um, in that uh, initial opening ceremonies the other day, um, there was one commercial, and I don't know, you might have seen it, you might have heard it. I think it's for a credit card company and, um, who will rem- remain nameless. And this, uh, this commercial interviewed several of the uh, uh, athletes, some of those Olympic athletes, and they talked about um, what they gave up in order to become disciplined. There was one who had no dessert for two years. That rules me out right away there. One that had watched no TV for six months, and and then there was one who had not read any bestsellers for the last year. And, And so as an Olympic athlete, you get this idea that they gave up so much to pursue their sport. There's one thing about every Olympic athlete that's in London right now that's common, and it's this. Not one of them woke up one day and said, you know what? Today, I want to be an Olympic athlete. Tomorrow, I want to go to London and compete in my sport. It took time, it took effort, and it took energy. And the result of that is they are today in London competing in the most public way on the greatest of fields. And it's the same way with these characteristics. We don't just wake up one day as a Christ follower and become love and become peace and be patient with our family. We don't do that. We spend time in God's Word. We spend time communicating to Him, talking with Him, and spending time 
finding out what it means to become a Christ-like follower. And as a result of those things in our lives, as a result of doing those things, as time goes on, we begin to resemble these different characteristics. See, these are a goal. These are what we as Christ followers want to become. And today, we take a look at this one called faithful. And for many of you, when I say that word, it brings up all kind of memories. It brings up all kind of ideas in your mind. For many of you, you have a definition of faithful that in fact might be a bit painful to you in your life. When I say that word, it might bring up a different image for one of you than another. So let's take a look at exactly what Paul meant. He used a, a, a word that was related to a Greek word, a root word called pistis. And that word actually was some, uh, came from faith, and it literally means a firm internal conviction regarding truthfulness of someone or some claim. A firm internal conviction regarding the truthfulness of someone or some claim. So applied here, faithfulness can mean a, a firm internal conviction regarding the truthfulness of your own faith in God. How much are, do you have faith in Jesus Christ that he was the only way to God? You can have conviction or you can have a value that maybe you personally esteem or you believe is, is, uh, 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 is very important to live life by, a value or a virtue to live life by, and you have faith or faithfulness that that value is something to be lived by. Here, I believe Paul is speaking specifically about faithfulness among us. I think he's speaking specifically about faithfulness among people, among humans, because all of the other fruit of the Spirit have to deal with how we relate to other people. And so this idea of faithfulness or fidelity, which is the English word that we get from an original Latin word that all relates back to this idea of being faithful, this whole idea of being faithful is something that very often is elusive. And often we can't get our arms and our minds and our hearts around faithfulness. Now, having said that, this fruit in particular has a key that I'm going to reveal here right up front. And, and for some of you, this may unlock a new level of faithfulness that maybe you thought was previously unattainable. Maybe you thought there's no way that I can live with this kind of level of faithfulness that Paul is talking about, that God wants us to live our lives with. And the key point is this, and it's in your notes this morning, it's that first key point. The key ingredient of faithfulness can only be added to the sweet life, which is what we've kind of described living life according to the fruits of the Spirit by, uh, when we fully accept that God is in control at what? All times. It can only be added to the sweet life when we come to the realization, when we come to that conviction that God is in control always, regardless of what we're currently going through, regardless of how we've been hurt in our past. Being faithful means that we accept that God is in control at all times. I want you to capture this. If you're a Christ follower in here today, if you've said yes to Jesus, whether it was a week ago or two weeks ago or, or three years ago or three decades ago, you cannot, you have no hope of being a truly, fully faithful person until and unless you get that foundational element of understanding that God is faithful all the time. He's faithful 
all the time in everything, regardless of what you're going through, and, uh, going through. And I realize that there are some of you who are here who are like, yeah, Todd, that is obvious. I get it. That's no problem. Like you're stating the obvious here. Yes, of course God is in control. And then there are some of you that are on the whole other uh, end of the spectrum on this. You said yes to Jesus long ago, but this idea of truly, I mean truly understanding that God is always in control is so incredibly difficult to make real in your life. Well, today I want to consider that there are two major hurdles that we as people have in really truly understanding this idea of being faithful. The first hurdle is this, that you've had a difficult time being faithful because you have had someone in your life who is not faithful to you. You have had someone in your life who is not faithful to you. Your unfaithfulness stems from your disappointment with other people. And I think that's the first hurdle that we have to get over in understanding this whole idea of faithfulness. The second one is this, that many of you have a difficult time being faithful yourself because you have lost your own faith in God coming through on your behalf. And so your unfaithfulness stems from your disappointment with God himself. And so today I want to take a look at two principles, two key ingredients to becoming a faithful person that will help us get over those hurdles, that will help us get over these challenges that we have in life. The first one is this. Take a look at your notes again. Being a person of faithfulness means that we always operate with a faithful heart even when others do not. That we operate with a faithful heart even when others do not. Now, let's take a step back and talk about this for a moment, because unfaithfulness is tied to something that the Bible speaks directly toward, and it speaks directly to, that God speaks directly to, and that's this, it's deceit and it's lying. You see, if you had someone in your life who was unfaithful to you, whether it's a mom who just left or a dad who always chooses work over his family, or maybe a grandparent who wasn't around, or maybe a friend who left you at a time of need, or maybe even a priest or a pastor who you thought was one way and they were living another way. At the center of that, at the core of that issue, is lying or deception. And God's word speaks so specifically, so directly towards dishonesty. Proverbs 12, 22 says this, The Lord detests lying but he delights in people who are trustworthy. He delights in people who are trustworthy. So at the core of unfaithfulness is this whole idea of uh, truth versus fiction. And and I'm going to save a a detailed message on that for another message series coming up later this year, and and, and we'll kind of unpack that a little bit. But suffice it to say that God's best, I want you to hear this, God's best for your life is not deceit. It's honesty. And it's truth-telling and truth-seeking. And man, I, I realize, I understand, for some of us, that is so difficult, isn't it? I mean, that is so incredibly hard. We're born with this whole concept of trying to cover up and trying to, to cheat and trying to uh, work a way around so that we don't embarrass ourselves and embarrass others. I, I remember very vividly coming home with a paper. I was probably in like, I don't know, seventh grade, sixth or seventh grade, and, and I had a D on it. And and I think I've told this story before. I I did not want my parents to see the D. 
So I took a big red marker and changed it to a B. It was terrible. I did a terrible job on the paper, and I did a terrible job trying to cover up the D that I got. But my whole purpose right then in that moment was to deceive and to lie to my parents to make them think that I was doing better in that class than I actually was. We're born with it, aren't we? We're born with this inclination to cover up, to deceive, to lie. So, to lie. so for some of you, the start of being a faithful person is embracing the truth, is becoming a truth seeker and a truth teller. It's changing the way that you think and changing the way that you live in an instant. And for some of you today, being a faithful person means you go home and you begin to seek the truth and you begin to tell the truth. And that's all it is for you. That's all it is. It's you deciding today, you know what, I am no longer going to do what is not God's best in my life, but I'm going to do what is God's best in my life, and that is that I am going to pursue the truth, and I'm going to tell the truth. And for some of you, that's what being faithful means. It means making that change. But for some of you, I realize it's not quite that easy because of the hurt that you've experienced. You've been hurt by deception. You've been hurt by lies. You've been hurt by unfaithfulness. And we need to understand that that's a fact that in the, even in this room, it'd be hard-pressed for us to find uh, just a few people who haven't been affected by unfaithfulness. And for some of you, the reason that you are unfaithful people is because you were hurt by someone else being unfaithful in your life. They were unfaithful to you, and you've learned that habit. Our pastor in Atlanta used to say all the time, hurt people hurt people. And isn't it true? Isn't that true? Hurt people hurt people. But you know what? Here's the key. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. We can stop that cycle. Not on our own power, but with the power of God working in our lives. We can stop that cycle and we can become people. Those of you who are in here today and you've been hurt by unfaithfulness, you can turn the tide. You can say, you know what? I today am going to stop the cycle of unfaithfulness in my family in my workplace, with those that I surround myself with in my neighborhood and where I live, I'm going to stop the cycle of unfaithfulness because I have the option to do so with the power of God on my side. That's what Paul's talking about in all the fruit of the Spirit is we have the opportunity to be love. We have the opportunity to be peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And we also have the opportunity, even if we've had people be unfaithful to us, we have the opportunity to stop the cycle and we have the opportunity to move forward with fidelity and faithfulness in our own lives to those around us. But we've got to admit that being the victim of unfaithfulness is excruciating, and it's not easy to get over, but we can stop that cycle. In our house uh, over the past couple years, our, our little eight-year-old, actually it was two years ago this summer, um, Sydney, she became a Christian. She asked Jesus to be her, her Savior, and I remember that day um, just like it was yesterday, Cynthia. She was right there by the couch, and, and we prayed with her, and she absolutely got it. We had talked about it for a couple years, and now we're talking with Sean about uh, becoming a Christian. And so Sydney said yes to Jesus, and one of the things that Cynthia, my wife, has done so well is on a nightly basis, she goes in, and they pray a prayer to God together, and it's this prayer. Help me, God, to know what's right and to do what's right, 
no matter what. Isn't that a great prayer? But it's the simplicity of that prayer that's so profound, isn't it? Help me to know what's right and to do what's right no matter what. Isn't that a great prayer? That's a great principle to live by, and we're trying to instill in Sydney that she has the option, she has the choice to move forward with doing the right thing when she has the opportunity, when she's faced with the option. You who have been harmed by infidelity, you who have been harmed by unfaithfulness in your life, you have the opportunity, and the hard part about that statement is no matter what, isn't it? (laughs) That's the difficulty of that statement. Because the hurt, the pain, the tearing up of a family, all the stuff that you have to go through when that happens, all of that enters our mind and our spirit. And it is so difficult for us to say no matter what. Well, the writer of Hebrews is speaking to Christ followers, and he's encouraging them to become more mature in their faith. And I want you to read what he says here in Hebrews 6, 11 through 12. He says this, We want each of you to show the same diligence to that very end. He was given a picture of a mature Christian. So what you hope for may be fully realized. Verse 12. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what has been promised. Through faith and patience inherited what has been promised. Now specifically here, The writer of Hebrews is speaking about the Christian life, maturity in the Christian life in a broad perspective, but I think the verse applies to those of you who are here today who have been impacted by someone being unfaithful to you. What Paul is saying, or what the writer, excuse me, the writer of Hebrews is saying in this instance is don't give up. Be persistent in your journey with God. Be persistent in your daily time with Him. Be persistent in those things that you know are God's best for your life because it's those things that are going to help you overcome the hurt. It's those things that are going to help you overcome the pain that you've received from someone else. Those are the things that if you take care of in your life, you will be able to say, hey, I'm going to stop the cycle of unfaithfulness. It's gone on for generations in my family. And you know what? I'm going to be the one that stops it. You see, when we do that, not in our own power, but by the power of God, then we take a step towards becoming people who are truly faithful, who are people of conviction in what we believe. That's what Paul meant by the fruit of the Spirit being faithful. And so sometimes being disappointed is something that interrupts our lives. We're we're disappointed by people in our lives, those we love, those that we're close to. We're interrupted by them. And all of a sudden, we have a difficult time becoming faithful people. But I think there's a second challenge, a second hurdle that we have that we can overcome. And it's this, being a faithful person means that we're confident in God's faithfulness in our lives, even when we can't see it. You see, we have to face the fact that not only have we been disappointed by people, but some of you have been disappointed by God. Did he just say that? Did the pastor just say that someone can be disappointed by God? Yeah. Sometimes we're disappointed by the way our lives work out, aren't we? Sometimes we're not happy with the career that we felt like God was maybe calling us towards or pushing us towards. Sometimes... We're not happy with that person 
that we chose, that we thought God put in our lives. And sometimes God becomes the source of our disappointment. Sometimes you might be disappointed, God forbid, in your children and the way they turned out. That can't happen, can it, parents? But sometimes we're disappointed, and the focus of our disappointment is God. Sometimes God is working in your life, and sometimes God is working in our lives, and we have no understanding, no idea what he's doing, but he is working on our behalf. And sometimes that thing that you and God talk about, that area of of faith that you're putting your faith in God for, sometimes it may happen way down later in your life, years, decades later. In fact, sometimes you might not even see that come to fruition. Going back to the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11, he kind of gives a list of all the different faithful people in the Bible. He talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Esau. He talks about Rahab. He talks about Moses and many others who God had a promise with. Promise with. And then there was some sort of issue or some sort of thing that they made an agreement with God or God made an agreement with them. And the writer of Hebrews, please don't miss this, the writer of Hebrews ends that chapter with these verses. Take a look, 39 and 40. These all were commended for their faith, yet how many of them? None of them, none of them received what had been promised. What? Is that true? Yeah, it is true. None of them received what had been promised since God had planned something what? Better. Something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You see, all along, all through the pain, all through the disappointment, all through the ups and the downs of life, God, if you're a Christ follower today, God is working on your behalf. He is working on your behalf. You may not see it. It may not be evident. In fact, it may just be the opposite. It may be clearly non-evident, unevident. Is that a word? That I don't think is a word, but that's what it is. It's unevident. We can't see God working in our life, but he is. I have a dear friend who, um, uh, some dear friends who I grew up with in church. And uh, this guy and his wife, um, they, they were really important people in the church that I grew up in. And um, th- they had five children, one of whom was in my class growing up. And, and this man and his wife were important people in our church. They, they taught Sunday school. They, they were involved in uh, helping Christians grow in their faith. And this man in particular was just a strong, strong Christ follower. Well, all five of their children, who were roughly my age, about five years on either side of my age, all five of those children went through terribly, terribly difficult, rebellious periods of their life. And the friend, the dad in this situation, actually about 10 years ago, passed away suddenly, out of the blue, God just took him home. And and he passed away thinking that two or three of his children were going through a terrible, rebellious period. What he died not knowing was that all five of his kids would come back to Christ one day. And all five of his kids were somehow involved in ministry. Do you see God's hand working in his life? He didn't see it. He didn't see it. But God was there working and doing what God wanted to do with those kids to train them up. He had done his part. His wife had done their part. 
But they had to have faith that God would bring those kids back to him, and he did. For some of you, for some of you, it's just not even just seeing God's hand or missing God's hand in your life. For some of you, it's literally that your life has completely fallen apart because of the circumstances surrounding you. It's not just that you can't see God's hand. It's not that it seems invisible, unevident, if you will. But the fact is, is that your life is literally crashing and falling apart around you. Well, there's one in the Old Testament. His name was Job. And in the first few chapters of Job, his whole life in a matter of moments comes crashing in on top of him. Literally. Everything that he loved, everything that he worked for, everything that he held as an important part of his life literally came crashing in on him. And he spent the rest of his life being faithful to God. Despite the fact that his wife, her first response was, curse God and die, Job. Man, there's spousal support for you right there. Hey, curse God and die. He went and he visited three of his friends, and all they did was make a bigger deal out of Job's problems in life. Do you have a friend like that? I'm not raising my hand. I don't. But anyway, I know some of you probably do. You have a friend that kind of amplifies the problems in your life. That was Job. But all through his life, at every step, at every stage, Job was a faithful man. The Bible says that he was, uh, he was upright, that he was righteous before God, that there was no one on earth like Job. He remained faithful to God, even when literally everything he had was destroyed. His children were killed. Everything that he had worked so hard for came crashing in on him. And there was a payoff in Job's life because he was faithful. The last chapter of Job describes how God restored all that was lost and then some. In Job 42, 12, it says that the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part of it. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yoke of oxen, and thousands of donkeys. Well, we have no idea what that means, but it means that God restored 10 times the amount of stuff that Job had from the beginning of his life because he was faithful, because he hung in there with God, because he was faithful to his wife, he was faithful to what God had called him to, and he was a righteous man. And some of you, it may seem like the world is crashing in. It may seem like literally you're being ripped apart. The Apostle Paul probably experienced that. He was thrown in jail. He was shipwrecked, stranded on an island. I'm sure that he was wondering at some point in time, where is God's hand in all this? Where is God's hand in all this? You know, it's okay to be disappointed with God, church. It's okay to be disappointed with God. It's okay to be disappointed with his plan. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that we as Christ followers are to remain faithful to him. And being disappointed with God and remaining faithful are two different things. Job cried out to God. He cried out in frustration, in disappointment. But he always remained faithful to God. Paul did it while he was in prison. And some of you need to hear this passage today from 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. 
It's what you can't see that God's working on. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is what? Temporary. It's temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. It's eternal. It may feel like it's crashing in on you. You may feel like there's no way I can be a faithful person because of what I'm going through. I cannot see God's hand. I've been impacted by all these people who have been unfaithful to me. You, with God's power, can remain faithful. Job did. Paul did. All these other people in the Bible did. But the key is, is that they all trusted God. You see, faithfulness equals trusting God. Faithfulness equals trusting God no matter what. No matter what, no matter what is pressing in on you, no matter what the cause is for your own unfaithfulness, becoming and moving towards being a faithful person means that you first and foremost trust the hand of God. Even when you can't see it, even when your plans go awry, even when you've been hurt by those who have been unfaithful, we've got to stay in the game. We've got to stay the course. We've got to focus on what God has called us to do. And you know what he's called us to do? He's called us, if you're a Christ follower in here today, he's called us to stay in the game. He's called us to play the game. That's faithfulness. That's being faithful to him. It's being faithful to your family. It's being faithful to your friends. Even when things are crashing in, to stay in the game. I read a, a story, I'm not exactly sure where the source of the story is, but even if it's true or not, it quite aptly illustrates what faithfulness is. The command came, on your mark, get set, and then the pistol cracked and the race went on. A fine athlete sprang to the lead, and when the race was over, he had broken the state record. Only a few other runners even finished the race. Many dropped out when they saw that they couldn't win. And as the field, as, as the field crew was bringing in the hurdles for the next race, one of the judges yelled, get those hurdles out of the way, the race isn't over, look. And around the turn came a runner, panting, hardly running, staggering. The crowd stood in silent disbelief as he made his way over the last hundred yards and literally fell across the finish line, fell across the finish line, grinding his face into the cinder track. One of the judges ran to the boy, turned him over on his back, took his handkerchief and wiped the blood from his face. Son, why didn't you drop out? What are you doing in the mile race anyway? Between gasps, the boy explained that his school had a good miler who had gotten sick just a few days before. The coach had promised to have a man in every event, and so he had asked the boy to run in the mile. Well, son, why didn't you just drop out when you saw that you had lost? And the boy answered, Judge, they didn't send me here to quit. They didn't send me here to win. They sent me here to run this mile, and I ran it. That's what we have to do, church. We've got to stay in the game. We've got to remain faithful. Even when our want to is gone. Even when our have to is gone. We've got to stay in the game. We've got to look for God's hand guiding us along the way. And even when you can't see that, even when you feel like everything is crashing in, he will remain faithful to you. And for some of you today, 
It's just that fact. It's recognizing that God is faithful. And every step of my life, he's been there, even when I can't see it, even when I don't recognize it. And that, as a Christ follower, ought to give us the ability to remain faithful to him, to remain faithful to our family, and to remain faithful in our lives. Father God, help us as people to be faithful people. God, help those of us who are in here today who just just need to make the change, just need to switch from telling lies, seeking out lies, to seeking the truth and being truth-tellers. God, I pray for those who are in here today and their faithfulness means that they're on the verge of a very terrible decision. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them and bring them back to the center of what you want best for their lives. And Father, I pray for those who have been victims of unfaithfulness and that is causing them to go down the road of being unfaithful themselves. Father God, I pray for the strength and the power and the strong name of Jesus for them to say, I am going to stop the cycle. I'm going to remain faithful. Because that's what God's called me to. And that's what God has done for me. I pray for those who are here today who just needed to understand that you are always faithful, God, even in the darkness of the messy stuff of life. Even when all along we've wondered. Father God, I pray that you would reveal to those who are in here today who have lost hope that you are faithful, that you are a faithful God, and that we can trust you. Help those who are in here today to restore their faith where they've lost it in you, Jesus. Not in other people, not in things, but in you. Help us, God, in our disbelief to believe. In Jesus' name I pray.